Heavenly Father, that is our prayer this morning. Father, we surrender our life to you. And Father, we ask that you use us for your glory. Father, accept our worship. Touch our hearts. Challenge us to move closer to you. It's in Jesus that I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I want to give you a special invitation to be with us tonight at 6 o'clock as we have our evening Bible study. I've entitled this lesson, Backpacking Cancer and Hope, and it's a lesson that I've wanted to teach for the last couple of years, but this is my opportunity, and so I want to invite you to come. It's lessons that I have learned through my journey. Julie and I, earlier in our life, were backpacking people, and we would take kids and our youth group on backpacking trips. I'm going to take some of those lessons and lay them over just the journey of life as you go through struggles. And so I want to invite you to be with us tonight uh, at 6 o'clock. Next Sunday is a special Sunday. Uh, We will not be having Sunday morning Bible class. Our kids are going to be putting on a pageant about the the three wise men and their perspective of what was taking place in Bethlehem. So I want to encourage you to come and be with us at that Fellowship, that breakfast fellowship begins at 9.30. Uh, The tours through the three stations begin at 9.45. The last tour will take place at 10. And if you show up at 10.05, you're going to miss it. So please make your plans to be with us, uh, to come show your encouragement, show your support, but also come for just the fellowship and you will be encouraged. On the uh, Wednesday night before Christmas, Uh, On the 27th, we will be, I'm sorry, the Wednesday night after Christmas, on the 27th, we will be having a singing uh, in here, and it's a singing that we haven't done in in quite some time. It's one where we're not going to let the song leaders pick out the songs that are led. We're going to ask you to put them on the board so that we can sing and and just have a time of fellowship and enjoyment uh, together. Also, you're going to be getting a lesson uh, that will be Julie and I's 40th anniversary And I know many of you have heard it, but I'm going to be sharing our anniversary story uh, with you and applying it and sharing uh, a lesson that says, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. So I want you to come, be a part of our time together, and just enjoy that fellowship. And then on Sunday night, uh, the 31st, New Year's Eve, we will be having a foyer singing. Our foyer is finally open. And uh, if you haven't, yeah, that's worth applauding for. If you haven't been back there, uh, you need to make a special trip back this morning uh, to go back and see all of the work that has been done. This time of year, we're all thinking about gifts, aren't we? Little kids, I remember wondering, what am I going to get? Mom and dad always tried to be even, uh, mainly because my big sister, my big brother, and my little brother, and myself, we always would kind of separate the gifts under the tree and stack them up and count them to make sure everybody got the same number of gifts. We were trying to figure out who did mom and dad love most, and so we were always, always checking. I remember the year that my brother Mike had just turned 16 and got a vehicle that year. Well, Mike was not going to get the same number of gifts as everybody else, but they knew we were going to count boxes, we were going to stack boxes, and so mom and dad wrapped some boxes with just rocks in it for Mike. 
I remember that, that Christmas Mike unwrapping some of those gifts, and I will be honest, he didn't think it was funny. He did not see the humor in that process until he finally got to his stocking that said, you need to go check in the alley behind the house. And there was a vehicle waiting for him. And he was overjoyed. Have you ever been given a gift that wasn't wanted or wasn't appreciated? As a young husband, I had to learn that lesson. You know, I thought there were good things to give your wife for Christmas. An ironing board, cooking books, duster. Now, I will tell you, she did ask for the vacuum cleaner. But there are some gifts that you give that sometimes just aren't appreciated. In fact, we have a rule at our house now. I am not allowed to give Julie a gift that plugs in in the kitchen. If it's an appliance that needs to be plugged in, I need to get permission first. Now, there was one time that that rule was not followed and my wife was overjoyed, but it was not a gift that I gave her. I remember one particular Christmas where Julie got a, a box or an envelope on the tree. I don't remember how the process started, but her mom and dad had bought her a special gift and she opened the envelope and there was a clue where to go. And so she then went to the closet where that clue led and there was another clue and she went to another room and she went to another room and she went to another room and it was such a long hunt that I quit following her until finally... Out in the garage, I heard a squeal that I have never heard again in my life. My wife had received her very first microwave oven, and she was hugging that microwave in a way that I wish she would hug me. <laughs> and it was a great gift. She loved the gift, needed the gift, wanted the gift. You see, when we know what they want... And when we give them what we want, that tends to be a, there always tends to be great elation and a lot of joy. The truth of the matter is, it's an act of love to listen and to respond, isn't it? It's an act of love. And sometimes we look past seeing that as an act of love. When it comes to giving God, a gift. He's given us the greatest gift. We'll talk about that next week. He sent his son. And we'll talk about what because of the fact that he gave the greatest gift he could give us. Our natural response is we want to give him a gift. We, we want to respond in kind. But we don't always give God what pleases him, don't, do we? How do we know what God wants for us to give. And I'm going to tell you, it's easy. Jesus tells us what God wants from us. God himself will tell us what he wants from us. The prophets told us what he wants from us. We're going to look at three passages this morning. And in all of these passages, you're going to see a response that says, this is what God desires from us. And the heart that God desires from us. 
It's challenging. And it challenges our preconceived ideas. Before I ever read the passages, if I was just to go out onto the street and ask people, what is it God wants from you? Some people would say, well, since you're from a church, he obviously wants your money because all churches want money. He wants our worship. He wants us to read our Bible and pray every day. I want you to listen as I read these three separate sections of Scripture. First one is found in Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth. She, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Malachi the prophet writes, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. Love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. We tend to want to give to God out of our extra and even out of our unwanted, don't we? I've worked in church work for over 40 years. I have always been fascinated by the idea that people will give us the stuff that nobody even wanted at their garage sale. They'll say, oh, the church wants it, and they'll end up giving it to the church. Why do we offer God our trash? Why do we offer him our junk? And the same thing is even true inside of our lives. We, we tend to give to God out of our abundance, the stuff that's left over or overflowing. But as you read those passages, you discover that God wants something altogether different. In these three passages, God calls us to humble ourselves, give everything. And trust him. Trust him. That's the lesson in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? When he's saying, don't worry. And he'll end that section by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Are you not much more valuable than the birds of the air? Trust God. You know, that widow, when she gives everything that she has, we don't know, did she have children? And if she did, what are they wondering? And what are they seeing? And what's the lesson that they're, that they're learning? It's not only that she gave everything, but she gave everything she had to live on. And she's saying, God, I can't, you can. I, God, I just trust you. Here it is. Here's all of it. I, I can't do this. I trust you. When was the last time that you just had to prostrate yourself before God and say, God, I trust you. All the way. I trust you with everything.
I give you all. Too often we are like a husband who thinks he knows best what his wife wants. Truth of the matter is sometimes we think we know, we know best what God wants. But the best thing that we can give God is what he asks for. The best offering we can give God is everything, is all. But the problem comes in when sometimes we get our desires and God's desires mixed up. And we'll give to God and we'll say, that's good enough. And the truth of the matter, giving God what's good enough is seldom good enough. Because he wants everything. He wants your life. He wants your family. He wants your job. He wants to be first in everything, even above your own personal desires. Wednesday night, we began a study in the book of Haggai. And the children of Israel are coming out of the Babylonian Medo-Persian exile. And as they are allowed to come back from the Medo-Persian empire and begin to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, the first thing that they build is not the temple. The first thing that they build is they come in and they try to make themselves comfortable before they ever begin with the priority of God. And so in Malachi chapter 1, the very first lesson out of the four lessons in this book, God will say, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. And then the Lord of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, the Lord's house, remains in ruins? Children of Israel face the same battle that you and I face, don't they? Here's what we face. It is so easy for us to take care of ourselves before we ever take care of our worship to God. But he is to be the priority. He's to be the one who receives the offering of first fruit. He's to be the one that we set our focus upon, not ourselves and our comfort, but instead we try to rob from God and do for ourselves. So in Malachi... Chapter 3, the Lord will say, return to me, and I'll return to you. And so you ask, how can we return to you? God replies, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. How do we rob you? In tithes and offering. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room enough for it. 
as I talk about giving God all. And I hope that first slide that I had up there that said, give God some, I hope it made you uncomfortable looking at it. The truth of the matter is, that's how most of us live. This morning, I really don't want to talk about money. Money's easy. Money's easy. This morning, as you look at your life, I want you to look at your time. I want you to look at your worship and at your service. I want us to talk about turning our life over to God to the point that you are fully dependent upon him. That's what the widow had to do, isn't it? That's what she did. She turned her life so completely over to God that she gave him the last two copper coins. And my Greek text says that it came to about a farling. That's a quarter of a penny. That's all she had. She gave that to God. Just enough to buy her last loaf of bread and she said, I'm going to give it to God. How do we do this? And what does it look like? And how do, how do I examine my life to see if I'm doing this? And, and I think that there are some guiding questions that we need to look at. And we look at the way and we look at our life and we look at our schedule, we look at our calendar, we look at our checkbook, we look at our, our time, we look at our entertainment, and we need to be asking the question, is God glorified in what I am doing? Or is he a footnote? Is God glorified in the things that I am saying? Can others see Christ living inside of me? Do they see that light that I am called to share? The widow gave everything she had to live on. The widow gave everything she had to live on. And in that action, she's crying out and her, and her very life is saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. Matthew 6 calls on us to have that same attitude. I want you to imagine the scene. Jesus and the apostles are sitting, most likely, at the steps just inside of the gate beautiful. And they're watching as people are entering in to Solomon slash Herod's temple. And as they go in, they're watching men put in large amounts of money. And you know that the apostles had to be impressed. Wow. Wish I could do that. Wow. I wish I had that. And Jesus doesn't say a thing. As you read the text, it looks like that the apostles, by the time that the widow comes, they've even quit paying attention. And Jesus notices this widow who comes with two small copper coins and puts into the basket next to the entrance 
of the women's court as she enters the temple area. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus basically goes, did you see it? Did you guys see what just happened? And they're going, what do you mean? Yeah, we've seen a lot of guys give lots of money. They opened up their purses, poured in a month's worth of our salary all at one time. And Jesus is going, no, you missed it. Did you see it? There was somebody who gave a lot. Who? That widow over there. She put in everything she had to live on. Here's what I love about that story. God noticed. God noticed. They may not have noticed, and I promise you, the one who was counting the treasury probably didn't notice that day. But God noticed. She put in everything. She gave it her all. God noticed. Folks, I want to live that way. I want to live in such a way that God notices. I'm not living in such a way that says that's good enough because good enough is never good enough for my offering for God. If it's not my best, it's not enough. God noticed. She gave her everything she had and God, now I'm dependent upon you. God noticed. I want to live that way. I want you to live that way. And in order to live that way, it means that I have to live a life that's all or nothing. I'm all in or it's not acceptable. All in or it's not acceptable. I know some of you are going, Tom can't do that. Let me ask it to you a different way. What if you only loved your life with the same passion that you were showing God today? Would your wife be happy? Would your wife be happy with 10% of your heart? Would your wife be happy with one or two hours a week on the weekend? When she knows you have so much other time available to you to spend with her and to talk with her and to share life with her. Would your wife be happy with just that little offering. So why do we think that God is happy when we try to rob him of our affection and our relationship and our worship? Jesus gave everything he had. And he calls for his disciples to give the same thing. The call of discipleship that Jesus has for us is more than just, I want you to come to church. The call of discipleship that Jesus gives, it's hard. Folks, it's a hard, radical call. I, I want you to listen to one of the callings that Jesus gives. It's found in Luke chapter 9. It says, Jesus says to another man, follow me. But the man replied, first, Lord, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
Another one said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's a harsh call, isn't it? That's a hard call. But he says, with me, it's all or nothing. You see, the invitation of Jesus is a radical invitation. It's an invitation that says, I surrender all. God, I'm giving you my whole life, everything. Last week, I'm sorry, next week, I'm going to be asking the question, what are you bringing to Emmanuel? What are you bringing to the one who is called God with us? What is it that you're bringing to Christ? Are you bringing your extra? Your overflow? The stuff that y'all can uh, sacrifice a little, but it'll be okay? Are you bringing him all? Everything. That includes your preferences? Your family? Your vocation? Your time? Your worship? What is it that you're bringing to Christ? Too many Christians are trying to straddle the fence with one foot planted firmly in their own selfishness while trying to plant another one close to God. And there is un there is an uncomfortable posture when you try to do that that cannot be maintained. You've got to make a choice. Is it all about me? My righteousness. Me looking good. Me feeling good. Me trying to be good enough that God owes me. Or Am I saying, God, I can't. And I'm giving it all to you because that's the only place I have any hope. It's just in you. This morning, I want to ask you to evaluate your life. Are you giving God all? Because anything less is not what he's asking for. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you'd like to respond, we invite you as we stand and as we sing.